It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz. Today, the Adam Ritz Show is on campus at Tarleton State University in Stephenville, Texas, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. Wow, that is great. What a fantastic, warm welcome. Thank you so much. That is awesome. Thank you guys for the energy. We are here today to award a group of student athletes for their character and their integrity and their hard work uh, off the field, off the court. These are the student athletes here at Tarleton State University. And we talked to the coaching staff, the administration before the broadcast, and uh, it was unanimous. Usually we give away this award. It's called the Caught in the Act Award to a single individual for their community service or their philanthropy, or uh, their academics, maybe the grade point average for leading the school. And it was unanimous that today our winner is a team. It's a whole team. So we need the captain uh, representing the softball team, Randy Fentress. Come on up here, Randy. All right. That's great. Thank you so much. Randy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful, and your entire team has been recognized for the character and hard work and diligence that you show off the field. Uh, let's talk about on the field real quick. How's the softball team doing? We're great. <laughs> and you're humble. And so off the field, uh, why, when we talked about this with your administrators, they were like, oh, yeah, the softball team, they, they really do a great job. What do you guys do with your community service or your integrity, your character? Why would you win this award? We do a lot of community service. We collect uh, food and give out baskets of food to houses in Lingleville. We collect eyeglasses. We um, collect box, top, box tops to give away. And that's basically our main goal. Out of those projects, which one is your single favorite? The box tops, yeah, because right. I collect them all the time. With like cereal? Yeah. Like Lucky Charms? Like uh, the little ones that you cut out. What's your favorite cereal then? Frosted Flakes? You got a lot of Frosted Flakes in the, in the locker room. Okay. All right. Well, Randy, uh, before I let you go, uh, tell me uh, something about a different team other than the softball team. Tell me something about another team here on campus. Because as a team captain, you're the team captain, right? I'm the pitcher. You're the pitcher. You're the head honcho and humble. <laughs> tell me something about another team on campus that you're proud of here at Tarleton State. I'm really proud of the golf team. They're really, really smart. Like, I wish I could be as smart as them. Really? Okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say because they shoot a 79. Well, they are really good, No, because too. they're really smart. Yeah, okay, that's are. great. They are really smart. And they're really good. How do you know they're, they're smart? I've had classes with them. You cheat off them, right? <laughs> no, no. A softball player wouldn't do that. Okay. Never. Uh, well, let me, before I let uh, this group go, thank you, Randy, so much for coming up. I want to, where's the golf team? Where's the golf team? Over here? <laughs> I'll come back there. And, and what's your name? Sharon. Sharon, uh, the, what's, give, give me a score. What do you shoot on the, on the links? I don't know. They shoot like under par. Under par. And you're smart. What's the uh, grade point average here? What are we talking about? Why are you guys so smart? I don't think we're that smart. She's <laughs> 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 
She made it up. She made it up? All right, who's the smartest one on the team? Sharon. No. It's Sharon? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, uh, Randy, this is called humility. Uh, <laughs> now we learn about community service uh, in humility here at Tarleton State University. Okay, thank you, golf team. Thank you, softball team. Let's give everybody a round of applause. Thank you so much for having the Adam Ritz Show here on campus. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. Coming to you from the office of head coach Matt Painter at Purdue University, Purdue men's basketball, Division I college hoops, and we thank you, Coach, for your time. We want to talk about some social issues surrounding um, college athletics and student athletes and how you handle these issues with your kids. Let's talk about social media first of all. Do you have a rule set with your players on how they can use Twitter, maybe during the season, off-season, all that kind of stuff? Well, we allow them to use it um, in off-season. Um, obviously, we try to educate them and, and use it as a positive tool um, to help uplift our institution, them, their family, um, what have you, and, and use it really, like I said, as, as a positive tool. And then when the season starts, um, we don't let them use it. And so I, I think it's something from a, from a trust standpoint. Um, I'm probably halfway there um, with them. Um, a lot of the things that it's, it gets used for is, is negativity. And we just don't want to put them in that position when they're they're frustrated, they're upset, you know, a bad call in a game, something happens with their girlfriend, you know, whatever it might be to now the, the constantly be, you know, on Twitter. And a little bit of it from my standpoint is I, I think it's so hard. It's so hard to be good as a major college athlete. So, you know, you have your academics, you know, you have basketball, and now just trying to keep your focus there. You know, if you're always on that and that's your, you know, it's your, your main focus, you've got away from your improvement as a person and as a student, as a player. That's a great point about it's time management. I mean, you, you can say something stupid on Twitter. You can use it positively to promote your basketball team in the university, but it also it takes time. And if you're spending time on Twitter and Facebook during the season, then you're not focused on hoops in the game and what's coming up. Yeah, and it's like anything. Um, you know, you, you talk with a lot of professional athletes, and, and they're you know everybody says, you know, why are these so many of these guys end up having this vice? You know, you know whether that's drinking or whether that's drugs or, or what have you. Um, we're all competitive. We're all wired. We know we all want that high, and, and a lot of that high is our competition. And sometimes when you're away from that competition, you still want that high. And when that happens, you get consumed with things. You might get consumed with, um, you know, your partner or a girlfriend or something like that. You might get consumed, you know, with this. And so you're just trying to give them some balance. You're, you're trying to help them. Every coach out there, especially an old-school coach, will talk about a, a girlfriend who ruined their basketball season because it got into the guy's <laughs> head. And that used to be the big thing. You'd be careful. Be careful about, you know. Now there's so many different things out there. And, and sure, drugs and alcohol um, were out there before. Now everybody knows your business. And so now trying to manage that to the best of our abilities. I don't know if I'm right. We, you know, we try to work towards being right. Um, so I'm always open to listen to what people have to say because it is here to stay. Now, as far as social media, we're several years into how it's affected athletics and student athletes. Um, I'm sure years ago, a few years back, when a coach would – ban Twitter from the season, there'd be some pushback, some student athletes at that age, that generation. Right. What are you kidding me, coach? This is how we communicate. This is what we do. How can right. you take this away from us? Right. I, I kind of got to believe now that 
after all that's been done, after a few years, it's kind of like, the, the, would the players say, yeah, you know what, Coach, you're right. Let's focus on hoops. Let's win a championship. Yeah, and you're going to have um, some disagreement. You're going to have some people um, on your team that, that really want to do it. And I, I think it's good to, to be able to talk through things. And there's things that they disagree with their parents. Um, but there still has to be some order. And in what you do, and you know, maybe this isn't for you. If you think your priority is Twitter, yeah. um, hopefully, you know, with with your religion and with education and family and basketball, there's some things that come before Twitter. You know, if, if you're fighting for Twitter, um, you know, let's fight for something that really matters to you. There's nothing wrong with fighting for things that matter to you. So, Coach Painter, online, on Twitter, on Facebook, do you Instagram? <laughs> nothing. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I text. I, I call people. I, uh, I'll email on occasion. Uh, but that's all I do. Um, they're, they're, if anybody's ever used uh, my handle, my name, whatever, um, it, it's been somebody else or somebody who's, who's not supposed to. So I, I just try to keep things simple. Um, but my kids do, and, and so I understand a little bit of it. I don't understand a lot of it. Well, we're talking to Coach Matt Painter about some social awareness on the Adam Rich Show. We thank you for your time, and you mentioned your kids. Let's talk about fatherhood. Uh, how old are your kids? Um, 19, 15, and 9. So I have uh, two girls and a boy. Um, the boy's in the middle. So it is, uh, it's challenging. Um, yeah. It's fun. I think when you're, you're spread out um, in, in terms of ages, you know, you see the differences in, in what they go through, right? If somebody gets through something, the other one's getting into it, and it just kind of keeps going. But uh, um, it's, it's pretty cool. And I think it's um, when you have some frustrations or you have some down times, you know, you, you know your kids um, are, are, are something special. It makes you realize, you know, what you're fighting for and what you're trying to provide for them. We loved getting the coach perspective on fatherhood because you're a father to your players. Right. You're a coach to your kids. I mean, yeah. they, they're one and the same almost. Yeah, and, you know, your kids every now and I'll tell you, you know, you know quit treating me like a player, you know, or something. Um, what, when you make them run laps or? <laughs> of that nature. But um, there, there's so many things um, with the game of basketball that relate to life and you can learn lessons from it. And so when they get into their own activities, their own sports, you know, you're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict, you know, learn from those things so it can help you in life. And that's, that's something that I'm always talking about with our guys and always talking about um, with our kids, because if you can learn to be forthright and, and learn to deal with difficult people, um, you know, you're going to be successful in life. Coach Matt Painter, Purdue basketball, Purdue alumni. Purdue student, athlete here at Purdue. Uh, let's talk about academics. As a student athlete, when you were here, uh, was it as hard as I think it would be to be involved with a six, seven, eight-hour-a-day sport like basketball and have to study? Well, it's a, a little bit different um, then than it was now, and you always hear those stories. And I'm in my early 40s, so it was, you know, 20, 25 years um, to when I started and I, and I finished. Um, you know, now we will have a day off or two days off during a week, and back then they had no rules in terms about a day off. And so we, we started, we probably had close to 35, 40 practices in a row um, my first year as, as a freshman. So now guys have a couple days off, and it's, it, it is different. I think we've really helped with some of the rules, especially from a physical um, you know, standpoint, but um, it is taxing and it is hard. And if you don't have good time management skills, you make it close to impossible. And so I always try to let guys know about, hey, you're going to have a day off, but a day off doesn't mean you don't do anything. You know, you don't have a day off just because you might not go into work one day doesn't mean you don't do anything. Um, you're always trying to work towards making things easier for you, but it's not going to be easy. Sometimes a day off for our guys now, it sets them back. They're mentally not quite ready the next day. Um, they slept for 15 hours. You know, take that day as a study day. Take that day as a, um, as a day to help prepare you so you make your life easier. 
What's your best advice as a coach, as a father, as a Purdue alum, as a, a, a graduate? Uh, with time management, we hear a lot, and that's a big key to academics, whether you're in sports or not. Um, your son, your daughter, going to college. You, you could get in a time machine and talk to yourself yeah. as an 18-year-old freshman. What's yeah. the one piece of advice you give yourself academically concerning time management? I would say, you know, try to be early. Um, get out in front of your problems more than anything. Um, once something... Um, pops up that's an issue now you know it's going to be an issue after that you know get out in front of that problem try to talk to people um, that have been in that class try to talk to people that have been in that major you know try to get out in front of things instead of going into things blind you know educate yourself with other people that have experience because you don't and a lot of times when you do that with a father or with a coach or whatever, you really look at him. I played for a guy that was seven-time national coach of the year. And at times, you know, it's a byproduct of youth. You think you know more than him. Um, but you're 19 years old, and that, that's, that's the way you're wired. And you quickly realize you don't. But it does take some time before you do that. And um, the one thing that most of us have to do is learn through our own experiences. You know, you, you hear it from your mom. You hear it from your dad. You hear it from your coach. You just don't believe it 100% until you go through it. And normally you have to learn a hard lesson. You sort of just touched on a topic we talk about a lot, mentoring. You mentioned uh, the coach you played for, seven-time national coach of the year, yeah. Gene Cady. Uh, you're still in touch with him. He, yeah. I'm assuming he was a big mentor to you. Yeah. How, how does that make you feel in the present towards the young guys now that are looking at you the way you looked at Gene Cady? Yeah, well, you, you know, you end up looking at somebody like that, and you'll never think that you would be like that. Then you slowly start to become um, that person and what they stand for. Um, uh, you don't always agree with people, but I think the people that you respect as time goes on are the people that told you the truth. And he always told me the truth, and I always didn't leave his office um, feeling great. Um, but in time, you, you know, he was hitting you between the eyes with things, and he was trying to help you. And sometimes you got to fall down a little bit. Sometimes you got to get some bad news, um, and that's the best thing for you. Someone always telling you that you're okay isn't the best thing in the world. It is okay at times to pat somebody on the back or give them positive encouragement. I'm not saying that. But for him, he was always just so honest, and uh, that was something I've taken with me in, in, in my job. Now, with student-athletes and service projects uh, on campuses across America, uh, it's very encouraged for, encouraged for a student-athlete to be involved with their campus, their community, right. and with um, just philanthropy in general, coast-to-coast. Coast. Anything going on with your guys through the course of the year as far as philanthropy and charity and community service? Well, our guys do um, a variety of things. I think the best thing for them to do is be able to um, give their time to kids, you know, and, and whether it's, um, you know, they're reading to kids in the elementary schools, you know, or whether they're, you know, they're, they're mingling with kids at, at the cancer walk. Um, I've done a lot of stuff with coaches versus cancer and, um, you know, and, and, and things of that nature. We do different things. Um, you know, in our community to try to get them. We'll go to a boys club and do a clinic. We'll have a, um, a thing here for, for Christmas break where um, we have uh, different kids that, that, you know, might not have the Christmas that they need here in this community, mm -hmm. and we bring them and their families in, and we and each one of our players takes them, and we get money donated, and our players take a little bit out of their per diem for Christmas break, and they go there, and they go on a shopping spree like at Walmart or something like uh, something like that, and they get $225, $250, and just to see those kids, you know, eyes light up, and I always talk to them about, 
I grew up in Muncie on Ball State's campus. I and mean, when I was six, seven years old, I could tell you every player on Ball State's team and what I thought of them. And now as I go back and I, and I look and I see, I said, you know, I looked up to guys that were just okay basketball players. You know, some of them on Ball State's team are pretty good, but some of them are just okay. But I looked up to them. I thought that was a big deal. And never forget that. Never forget that you've got little eyes watching and you can make an impact on somebody. You can make an impact on somebody by just doing the right thing or saying something positive um, to somebody who's in some, you know, real formative years, you know, as a seven or eight year old well i'll tell you i uh i went to purdue myself alum and i was here about the same time you were i think i saw you wandering around chauncey hill a couple of times definitely saw you in the stadium in Mackey. uh i love the golf course here so if you ever want to get the the coach painter golf outing going for charity i'm in okay there you go sounds good <laughs> coach matt painter is our guest and again played here at purdue best uh in-game moment for you on the court three-point shot give me something um you know, for me, it was um, kind of an empty feeling because one of the things that, that drew me to Purdue um, was the fact that he always talked about if you played four years at Purdue, you're going to get a Big Ten championship. My freshman year, um, we were in a very close game, and, and we ended up getting second, losing the game, and not getting a Big Ten championship. And then my first three years in coaching, Purdue won the Big Ten all three years. So it got sandwiched right there. They won in 87. They won in 88. I came in 89. I left in 93. They won in 94, 95, 96. So to me, it was, you know, I had that void. And so being able to win the Big Ten championship um, as a coach um, was probably the, the, the best experience that I've had here at Purdue. Final question, Hollywood. I see the credits roll in the movie Blue Chips. Matt Painter's name is in the credits of Blue Chips. Yeah. However, I've seen that. I like movies and I like sports, yeah. so I've seen that movie a dozen times. Yeah. I've never seen you in the movie. Yeah. Did your part get cut out of the movie? No, I'm actually in it. You're in it three or four times. <laughs> actually, I score a basket in it. So, okay, which team were you on so I can watch that again? Thirty pounds ago, so you might not recognize me. Um, I think it was the Coast Cutters. Uh, maroon jersey. Maroon so I, jersey. I think it's the second game of the movie, but don't, but do not hold me to that. I don't even know my number. So okay. Yeah. Well, you, you, do you get uh, residuals every time that shows <laughs> on HBO? Do you get a small check for three dollars? I wish. I wish. <laughs> I'd take it. Well, Coach Matt Painter, we can't thank you enough for your time uh, and your efforts as a coach here at Purdue and for uh, all that you do with community service and, and making sure your guys know about the social causes out there and how important that is off the court. Thank you. Appreciate it. We welcome back Lowell Whiteman to the show. Lowell is in charge of 360 Mindset, sports psychology, working with such teams as the uh, Colorado State University Rams, uh, the football squad out there in Fort Collins, Colorado, and others. It's Lowell Whiteman from 360 Mindset. Thanks, Adam. Today I want you to know that if you ever hurt my feelings, I'll tell you, and not let it fester inside of me to the point I leave my job. Apparently, Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin did not have this same understanding. As you may know, Jonathan Martin left the Miami Dolphins allegedly due to behaviors resembling bullying in the Dolphins' locker room. More specifically, Richie Incognito has been named as the primary culprit behind the alleged bullying. In an interview with Jay Glazer from Fox Sports, Incognito states that he is not a racist, a bully, or intended any malice towards Martin. In fact, Incognito says they are brothers, friends, and teammates. Incognito went as far as disclosing text messages between himself and Martin that on the surface seemed friendly and perhaps brotherly. Watching the Glazier interview, 
with the inc with incognito, the viewer is presented an articulate and well-spoken individual until you hear the locker room and personal comments between these two athletes. Incognito admits that when he hears that, they say it is he says it's embarrassed. He's embarrassed and admits the locker room conversations are vulgar and he apologizes. There is no denying that Incognito influenced Martin's decision to leave the team. Currently, it is alleged that locker room bullying had a part in Martin's decision to leave the team. As I watch this story continue to unfold, I focus on what is not said. For example, who introduced bullying into this story? According to Incognito and Martin, neither one mentioned or accused each other of bullying. Incognito admits to vulgar language and the use of the N-word, but so does Martin and other teammates. So why did Martin leave the Dolphins? Both players are known to be better than average offensive linemen. So how will their relationship be restored so that they can continue pursuing their careers? I will hope that the Miami Dolphins restore this relationship in a way that both Incognito and Martin become positive and productive members of society. I give my point for today this title. You can't see who I am because I am Incognito. So if I'm disguised as Richie Incognito, but really myself, I would consider visiting my brother, friend, and teammate, John Martin, and quickly clear this mess up. Let's restore our professional careers with a quick press conference that publicly affirms our friendship and commitment to doing what is right. Richie, I get that you have a past, and you have or want to move beyond past labels. If you are truly committed to making these changes, then act in a manner in and out of the locker room that represents the words you speak. Since this episode of Behavior involves two participants, it seems reasonable that, John, you step out from behind your cloak of indecision and clearly state what you want. Man up, brother of Richie, and speak the truth that represents what you want. Lastly, the NFL and FLPA and all franchisees could proactively restore standards of behavior for all NFL members that represent the best in human behavior. The locker room should not be the private lounge where any conversation or behavior is allowed at the detriment of others. NFL and NFLPA provide a framework for hearing Jonathan Martin and all players who need help processing their concerns. This is Lowell Whiteman with 360 Mindset, reporting for Adam Ritz Show. Thank you, Lowell Whiteman with 360 Mindset for another outstanding report. I'm Adam Ritz. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Ritz. We have a charity update for you uh, from Chicago. Uh, storms recently, tornadoes ripped through the Midwest, a lot of devastation, a lot of damage, and the Chicago Bears are getting involved with a tornado relief fund, a tornado relief auction. Uh, you might remember their game, the Bears uh, versus the Baltimore Ravens on uh, that Sunday of those uh, storms and tornadoes. The game was delayed and uh, a lot of homes were destroyed throughout uh, the Midwest, including Illinois. And the Chicago Bears are getting involved with an online auction with game-worn and game-used equipment from that game, from the Bears' overtime win against the Baltimore Ravens. Donations online, get some of that Bears gear. How cool, this is a great cause. How cool, sports fans, Bears fans, get some cool stuff for your basement and help out a great cause with the tornado relief. All auction proceeds and donations will be matched dollar for dollar 
up to $100,000 by the Chicago Bears and Bears Care and will be awarded to the American Red Cross for direct support of their program serving individuals and families in Illinois impacted by these tornadoes. Again, that auction ends Sunday, November 24th at midnight. Your support is needed now. And together we can help respond to the immediate and basic needs of the community during this challenging time. More items will be added continually, so if you get online and check something out, uh, you might be interested to get back online later in the day and uh, check for more items. It is uh, the online auction at chicagobears.com slash tornado relief. Very simple. Just go to chicagobears.com slash tornado relief and you can get involved with this online auction that will benefit uh, the victims of the severe weather from uh, uh, the weekend of the Bears game versus uh, the Ravens. And how poignant that the uh, items from that game, uh, jerseys and cleats and headbands and wristbands and stuff like that will be uh, some of the stuff you can donate uh, for and win in this uh, online charity auction. Again, it is chicagobears.com slash tornado relief fellowship leadership and philanthropy conversations and interviews from all over america it's the adam ritz show rolling along in memphis tennessee on the campus of the university of memphis with the memphis tigers head football coach this is justin fuente hi justin how are you i'm doing wonderful how are you i'm uh doing great and i love you i love this campus i love what you've done i've loved i love what you've done with the place <laughs> uh, i mean there's a new attitude here you've got a year under your belt as head coach uh uh, we are, we're inside the team meeting room right now, which looks like an NFL facility. I mean, this place is top-notch. So tell us a, real quick about, uh, I guess, your initiatives. When you took over the job, what, what are some of the focuses? I see your four pillars of leadership, possibly. Tell us about what you do here with the Memphis Tigers football team. Well, we took over a situation that hadn't been very good, and uh, we felt like we, we really needed to uh, hammer home some very f- – key fundamental points. We didn't feel like uh, giving the kids a list of 25 things and trying to emphasize all those things was was really what we wanted to do. So we introduced kind of the four pillars of our program and we even kind of cut it down further than that and really emphasized personal accountability, which is one of the one of the, the pillars of, of what we're trying to get across to our kids. And along with that, we kind of established a leadership council. We felt like it was important that we try and facilitate some leadership. We knew uh, you know, we had kind of a young group that were going to follow something. We wanted them to follow uh, a group of guys that were going in the right direction. And we also wanted it to be a, a council that, that got rewards, that got to do cool things or got access to, to neat and different stuff. So, um, you know, we've put together this council, council of 10 or 12 guys that, uh, you know, they've, they've got kind of special locker recognitions. They're, 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 color, they're, they're, Workout clothes are different colors. They have uh, their own lounge where they can go in and watch TV and hang out together. So we've we've rewarded them, and then we've expected the, or we expect them to kind of carry out and live up to those expectations. So it's okay. been kind of kind of fun groundwork to lay. So I, earlier today, I was in the weight room and I saw a bunch of your players working out. I did see some of those guys with black T-shirts on, uh, and they're members of your leadership council, and they get some special perks. So I gotta believe that some of the guys that don't have black T-shirts on. They want that black T-shirt. Well, that's the goal. And, you know, we try and hold those guys in black T-shirts kind of up to uh, another level and, and try and make, you know, kind of encourage those other guys uh, to 
to, to attain that level. You know, I've been places where we had a leadership council, but all they did was administer discipline. You know, you, the coach met with them whenever somebody got in trouble and you talked about what to do with it. And I wanted it to be more than that. I wanted it to be a symbol uh, that we could hold up in front of guys, that, that we gave them access to the media, that they were the kind of the forefront of our program as we, as we built this thing from the ground up. Our guest is Justin Fuente, the head football coach at the University of Memphis, and your four pillars. Now, am I allowed to mention them, or is this a closed-door meeting? No. Can we talk about these four <laughs> pillars? Because, you know, and I understand a football team is uh, its a family, and it's tight-knit, and what's said in the locker room, we want to keep it in the locker room. That's where a lot of people get in trouble with the media when they let that's some right. of those secrets out. So I don't want to let the cat out of the bag about your four pillars unless that's okay, but one of them jumps off the page at me. Can I talk about it? Sure, absolutely. Uh, this is a social awareness radio show. We mm -hmm. talk about social awareness issues like bullying and hazing. Uh, and a lot of uh, Facebook and Twitter responsibility. And your four uh, pillars here that I can read right off the wall in your team meeting room are co uh, competitive excellence, personal accountability, which you've said is, is really what it all boils down to, personal accountability, academic integrity, and then this one right here, social responsibility. So as a social awareness radio host, i got to pinpoint this one, social responsibility. Tell us about that. Well, we feel like that we have a platform here to influence other people's behavior. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that our guys recognize that we have a social responsibility that comes with playing Division One football. Uh, I think it's also important that our coaches realize that, too. So in turn, we try and flip our kids right back around and put them out in the community, put them in junior highs, put them in elementary schools. So, uh, you know, they can serve as an example of what can be accomplished through uh, the old uh, hard work and discipline and a good attitude uh, will, will yield results. So. Uh, we've tried to, to make that a, a pillar of what we're trying to accomplish in, in the Memphis area. Now, I didn't see uh, bench press on your pillars. Well, that comes with competitive <laughs> excellence. <laughs> that, within competitive excellence, now you get to talking about uh, bigger, faster, stronger, mentally tough, okay. those sorts of things. So that Because, uh, you know, everybody thinks you know, the, the four pillars are important and they are what we talk about, but usually somebody will say, well, what about winning ball games?" And, you know, our deal is usually when, when we've got all four of those going and humming in the right direction, then those wins take care of themselves. Okay. Well, uh, your home games are played in the Liberty Bowl. And uh, before I let you go, I got to ask, uh, will you let me call up a third down play? You want to <laughs> chuck it? We can chuck it. If you want to <laughs> run it, we can run it. That's fine with me. We're going we're gonna to pick up the tempo a little bit this year, so we'll let, you better call it fast. Okay. All right. That's head coach Justin <laughs> with Memphis football. Thank you so much for joining us, Coach. Adam, I appreciate you coming out here. Thank you. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.